Thanks so much for listening into the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth. And we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. Hey, can you hear me? We're good? Hi guys, so good to see you. Um, very excited for today. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. That was beautiful. That was very powerful, Lexi. Thank you so much. And um, worship, that was amazing. I was just thinking while we were at worship, I was just like, I, I'm so proud of, um, I'm so thankful for the people that are serving here that um, it's not about how good they're playing or how good they're singing. They were singing very well and playing very well. But, but the important part was just that they were hosting the presence, that that was the important part. It was the realness of their heart just coming forward. So same here, you're not gonna get the most eloquent person in the room you're gonna get just my heart pouring out to you and uh, that's what we wanna be at. We wanna be at the point where we're constantly just hosting his presence because that's the important part. It's not about how can we perform and keep a good performance over here, but how can we host him? All right, so um, last time that we were together, uh, Jim was teaching on the heart and uh, he was teaching about forgiveness, and then before that we had Jake, and he was also teaching about the heart. So we're gonna call this the series of the heart. We just, I'm kidding, I'm just making that up. Uh, I'm, I think that that's what's going on. The, the Lord really called us to teach on the heart. And um, last time that, we ta- that I talked here, I talked about prophecy, and uh, how everyone's called to prophesy, right? And I'm very impressed with the response. I was, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, take on the challenge and, and receiving from the Lord the gift and starting to go after it. It's so encouraging. I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, never have I had so many dreams to interpret. So a lot of people come to me and give me their dreams. So it's pretty cool. Very, very, very um, also like I'm blown away of how much you guys dream and sleep. So that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> so, on that note, I would like to, I would like us to look at how we steward the power and the leadership that we're getting, right? Because we're moving in power with all these gifts of the Spirit, but to maintain that, we need to know how to, how to steward it well with the fruits of the Spirit. If we're growing in the gifts of the Spirit and we don't really know how to maintain our character, it's just gonna be like a, like it's like a clanging symbol, clanging symbol. That's what, how we called it, right? Clanging symbol, yeah. First of Corinthians 13, one, it says, if I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. That applies to all the gifts of the Spirit. Because if I don't have love, what I'm actually doing is just noise. It's not actually, I'm not actually bringing in what the Lord has prepared for us, even though that I'm using prophecy or I'm using the tongues or I'm using one of the gifts. When I started using prophecy, 
uh, when I started uh, moving on that gift, I was, I was young, I was pretty much like 18, 19, um, and I wouldn't use it for the best reasons. I was using it for a little bit of self-serving, and as I was an excited single guy and kind of had like a prophetic gift, I would use it to impress girls. Um, <laughs> so I would go to weddings or Christian, like yeah, someone was getting married and even my table, there was a girl that was cute sitting next to me, I would just ask the Lord for a word of knowledge or I would just start speaking to her heart and just use it to impress her, right? Not the best way to use your prophecy gift, and if you are thinking of doing it, that's, there you go. You learn, you, you can take that and take it as, that's my, my teaching for today, and you're done. Uh, but just to clear, like, uh, I even, like, it got to the point where I was in ministry school, and it just starting, I hadn't learned much, of course, <laughs> but I still had the gift, and I had this, like, sense of like, oh, I, like, I really like this girl. Uh, Lord, give me a sign. If she sits right next to me in this conference of 500 people, it means you want me to take her out. And, um, and sure enough, I was sitting in like 500 people and she would sit right next to me. And uh, did I marry that woman? No, I did not. Did I date her? I went out twice, but it didn't work out. <laughs> there, so just to... Hopefully the George Fox students are listening to the podcast and you can take this one, guys. Um, there is no the one. So just to clear that one out, in the prophetic uh, sense of the Bible, there's no promise that you're going to get a spouse. That's, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that the Lord is going to give you someone, right? The Lord learned that from Adam. Like he figured it out that if he's giving you out a wife, you're eventually going to blame him for the problems that she brought on you. So... He's like, never again, you're choosing. <laughs> it's real and also a joke, but it is real. <laughs> There's only three examples in the Bible where he actually gives someone a, a wife, so you can't make it a theology. Anyway, so that's the misuse of the prophetic, right? That's how we can use something that is a gift from the Father and we use it wrongly and we misapply it. So there is a way to steward power. There is a, great, a, a way to become great in the kingdom. How will we handle that? Because we want to become great in the kingdom. Who wants to become great in the kingdom? Raise your hand. If you don't want to, it's fine. I want to. I want to become great. And the good thing is that Jesus was asked this question. He was actually asked that question. There's, there's actually the disciples come to him and say, hey, how can we become great? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? We want the rank. Who's the number one? Who's number two? Who's P3? Uh, we really like Formula One, so I'm very into uh, those lingos. You guys are not going to get it, but I really like Formula One. I'm very competitive. But at the time, so in Matthew 18, they come, if you can open your Bibles there. It says, at the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So let's go back here. Let's, let's look at this. Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You think that he's serious. 
Do you think that he actually meant that one? I think he did. I think he actually meant it. Like, he, it, unless you become like a child, like that heavy, you, like, you won't make it to heaven if you, if you don't become like, like, like children. That's a big statement right there from Jesus. And then he goes, therefore, whoever humbles himself as little child is the greatest. Then he gives them the rank. He gives them exactly what they were asking for. He doesn't say, no one's great in the kingdom. You should be humble. There's no greatness in the kingdom. You should be the, not looking to be great. No, he tells them, you want to be great? You got to be like a little child. In this instance, a bunch of grown men, let's just put ourselves in that context. A bunch of grown men in the Jewish tradition on that time, they're, and they're seeing a bunch of demonstrations of the power. They're seeing miracles by their hands now. They're the ones also praying for the sick. In the, verse, in, in the chapter before that, they actually tried to, uh, to get a, a child free from uh, uh, a demonic situation. They, they tried to cast a demon and they can't do it. And Jesus has, has to come in and help them. Uh, so they're like, okay, he could. So there's kind of like a rank. So they figure out there's, there's some power levels over here. So they want to figure out where do they stand, right? So... But suddenly they t he tells them, this little child is the greatest. They're like, this is outrageous. They don't even count. They don't count. The ch children in back then wouldn't count on their numbers. It was only the men that would count. Only these guys were the ones. Women and children were not counted. And he, suddenly he tells them, that's the greatest person in, in the midst of you. So he's saying the child has something that you don't. What does a child have that an, adult, that an adult doesn't have? What can a child do that grown men can't? So in ministry school, when I, back, let's go back to ministry school when I was there. Uh, for me, it was a season where I was, where I grew the most spiritually, like it, it, and on character. First year was a surprise for me. Uh, I did two years. There's actually several people here from that same ministry school. We got Noah, we got Justin, we got Lorna, my wife, and Mimi, my sister-in-law. She did three years. Like, a bunch of people here have been for that place, and they know that the first year is a surprise because it's about your identity. So <laughs> the beginning, you go in expectant. I go, I go in, and I'm like, I read all the books. I, I've been... I've been in church for a long time. I was already doing ministry. So I was like mostly going there to find a wife, as you guys could have guessed. Uh, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> um, but God really changed my identity. Like he transformed me. He, he like he started talking to my, into my life. I, I started transforming the way that I would think and I started receiving and, I, and it changed me. Then I went to second year. And in, in second year, I was being vulnerable. I was hosting the presence. I was healing the sick. I was having an encounter. I was being a leader. I was forgiving supernaturally. I was doing all the gifts of the Spirit. And the problem was that I was not letting the Father speak, like, see inside of me. Like, I, I was like, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm doing all these things. But I was still holding back on my inner heart. Like, I, it was too painful to keep it to keep putting back my heart like I did in first year. So I was like, we're done with the identity change. We're done with the, like the, um, the growth that was there. So I'm going to put it back. Until my pastor took a look at me and was like, hey, what you've done is that you, you've arrived. And it is, this was like two months into the program in second year. And she said, do you want me to graduate you right now? And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, you, you're done. I'm like, well, 
that kind of sucks. Uh, I don't want to be graduated. And she's like, good, because if not, it means that you're dead because you're not growing anymore. A child, the difference between a child and a, man, and a grown man is that a child is growing constantly. He's always growing. An adult is done. I've arrived. And for me, in second year, I felt like I had arrived. I'm done. I'm complete. I've, I know how to do all the healing stuff. I know how to do the prophetic stuff. So what, what's, what's next? A child is growing all the time, and it's full of, like, it's always looking to the future. And not, a grown man is looking to the past to say how great they are. Look at what I've done in the past. Look at my resume. A child is, look at what's ahead. Look at what I'm going to become. He's always saying, hey, this is what I'm going to become in the future. Because he's looking forward to what's going to come, right? I was comfortable with, with, with having the answer for everything, to think like I know everything. There was no wonder. I was being independent. I didn't depend on anyone, right? That's what the difference was with, 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 with a child. And that's what I think that, that, the, that Jesus was meaning at this point. The disciples at that point felt like they had arrived. There was nothing more that they could add. They, 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 they felt like, hey, let's just start ranking everyone so that we can compete with the Pharisees and see if we're greater than the Pharisees. Now we rule. But it wasn't like that. The, Jesus actually wanted them to keep on growing. A child sees passion in his life for what lies ahead, right? Like I mentioned, a baby, if you, uh, like I have a baby, Leon, um, he doesn't dictate his ability of what he's gonna be able to do from what he's, he's done in the past. Like he doesn't look in the, in the past and he says, oh, I'm only able to move like this without walking or crawling. He's like looking at me, he sees me walking and he's like, I can do that. So it's, a, it's, it's very, very different. It's like he's not limited by his experience. Children love discovering and learning. They have eyes that see, they see everyone like, teach me. What's next? And they point to everything they're wanting to know what it means. They want, wanting to touch it, to experience it to themselves. They're open to being taught and grown. Sometimes thinking that we know that we know hinders our ability to grow. Right? It's thinking, hey, I know all these things. It's just like I felt when I was in second year. I've, I've been in church for a long time. I've read all these books. What are you going to teach me? We're done. That's why my, my, my pastor wanted to graduate me. After my, my meeting with my pastor, she, I, like, I felt really, really small. I felt like a child <laughs> because she took out my heart, pulled it, and showed it to me like, hey, you've, you've, you've arrived. It's dead. Obviously, I felt very vulnerable at that point. This is, like, this is something that I want us to, to learn in the church because we do not graduate from this. It's, there's no point. Me here... Alex, Jim, anyone that gets to teach here, that we're not graduated from this. We need to keep on growing. We need to keep on going low so that we can actually become what he's forming us and calling us to be. One of the, 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 one of the things that got very interesting since I graduated from that ministry school is that um, a lot of people that were there saw a lot of miracles, 
saw a lot of things, saw the same thing, got the same teachings, got everything, the same stuff. A lot of people um, lost their faith with the Lord, even though after years of being there. No matter how amazing supernatural miracles they saw, they just stopped having faith. And I believe it had to do a lot with they graduated, not only from school, but from their walk with the Lord. They were like, I've received enough. Who's going to teach me now? And the constant thing that I noticed between them is that they, don't, they didn't go to a church. They didn't commit to a church. They actually were the ones that were like, hey, no church is good for me. They stopped growing and serving. Um, if you can open your Bibles, we're actually going to look at uh, Joseph uh, in Genesis 37. We're going to use that example because here's a prophet that I found, that I love, that misuses the prophetic, but actually redeems them. If you haven't um, heard the story of Joseph before, Joseph is the son of Israel, and he's the favorite son. He's kind of cocky. He gets, if you remember from uh, children's stories, uh, he gets a very nice Cloak. I don't know why they make it all about the cloak all the time, but I mean, he gets a cloak uh, and he gets dreams and eventually things go sideways. So let's go in Genesis 37, verse 5. It says, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend us to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him for all the more because of this dream and what he said. So the guy was not really good with delivery, right? You know, like he, he got dreams, but not knowing where to land them. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us or will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. Then he had another dream. The guy insisted on this. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were buying down to me. He does not get it. <laughs> it's not working. Eventually, if you don't know the story, he ends up being sold by his brothers uh, to slavery. And he ends up uh, serving... Um, some guy in Egypt, and then he gets put in jail because the wife of the, of the guy that he got sold to accuses him of going to him, towards her, but she, she is actually the one that went towards him. But the point here is that Joseph uses, misuses the prophetic, and he totally uses it for the wrong reasons in the wrong times, and self-serving, right? Until he learns to serve others with his gift, he starts to see the fruit from it, right? If you go into Genesis 41 now, let's go to Genesis 41, and this is way later in the story. Genesis 41, 12, it says, now a young Hebrew was there with us. So here's where we are. Back to 30 years later from this whole situation, he ends up in jail for a long time. He's put in jail and, uh, because of going, being forward to the wife of the, his owner uh, that had bought him. Um, so he starts serving the, the, the guard of the jail. He starts serving them and he starts changing the, the prison into making it into a palace because of his identity. He starts like um, being 
the interpreter of dreams for the people that were there, for the prisoner, and then he interprets the dream for the copper and the baker that were in jail because Pharaoh got uh, angry at them and he threw them in jail. So to one, he prophesied that he was going to die, and he actually dies, he interprets that dream. And the other one says, you will be restored. And to the one that was restored, it was the cupbearer. And the cupbearer, at one point, listens that Pharaoh is having dreams. And he finally remembers that he made the promise to, to Joseph that he would take him out of prison because of, of the dream that he had given. So he tells to Pharaoh, hey, I know a guy in prison that actually interprets dreams. He interpreted the dreams to me and the, and the baker. He, the baker died, <laughs> uh, but I made it. <laughs> and, and in 12, he says, Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. Was, was Joseph a, a servant of the captain of the guard? Was that his title in the prison? No, he was a prisoner. But the, the identity that he got now was as a servant. He was serving, like people saw him like, hey, this guy's the servant of the guard. He actually changed his identity, well, not his, his status of prisoner to servant. That's crazy. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. Now, why I wanted to highlight this, because Joseph not being offended with God from the circumstances that he was in, decided to serve others. And by serving others, the captain of the guard became trusted in him and became like known as the servant of the captain of the guard. It, he changed the situation where he was in just by serving. What's my point here? When we misuse the prophetic and when we misuse the gifts and we're not actually using it to serve other people or to be childlike like, like I was teaching in the beginning, when we don't use that, we, we, we actually position ourselves uh, into not actually bringing the kingdom. We're actually just symbols that are clinging like at the beginning I was saying in 1 Corinthians 13. There's two things, two principles in the kingdom that I wanted to highlight, childlikeness and servanthood here. That's what hosts a gift of the spirit and actually brings it forth as fruit, like you see here. From that point on, Joseph was trusted as an advisor from Pharaoh because that took him out of prison, put him in a position to actually save his nation from serving. In my son's Bible, which I read to him today, Funny enough, it's just one page for this whole story. And it says, Joseph served served God, and with that saved the whole nation. (laughs) Serving with the the heart of serving, with the prophetic and the gifts of the Spirit, actually saves a nation. That's how you actually bring the kingdom. Not just by prophesying or giving dreams. I know it's not as exciting with the prophetic, like, hey, let's all prophesy. But to bring, go low and be grown like the learning to grow and to be a servanthood is what actually brings the kingdom. Now, why am I pointing to this? Because Jesus said, if you want to be great, be like a child. But there's another point where he says that you want to be great, right? In Matthew 20, 20, you don't have to go there, but I'll read it. Uh, Again, the disciples want to know like who's great. And the mother of a few of them asks for permission to make him, to make their sons great. 
Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. You have your mom asking for favors to Jesus. Kneeling down, asked a favor for them. What is it that you want, says Jesus? She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other one at the left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you think, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they had been prepared for by my father. When the 10 heard about this, they were very indignant to the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know what? The rulers of Gentiles lord over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the reality that Joseph accessed when he was in prison. He accessed this reality of, of the kingdom. And you see it throughout the Bible, how people like Daniel serving Nebuchadnezzar can change the nation just by serving, by going low. So the greatness of the kingdom comes by what? We said childlikeness and servanthood. Greatness is not frowned upon in the kingdom. When Jesus is asked for rank, for rank like what's the rank? He gives it. In Matthew 18, he does not reprimand them. He just redirects them. He tells them, this is how you get it. And Matthew 20 is the same thing. The disciples were competitive. And competitiveness is good. Competitiveness, let's not discourage competitiveness with our children, honestly, because that's what's actually going to help us defeat the enemy. That in our children, the competitiveness of being the best, of wanting to, beat, uh, uh, wanting to win, is what's going to help us to, to get the kingdom forward. It's in their nature. They want that. It's in us. So Jesus, then, Jesus found it, but he just redirected it. Okay, you want greatness? You got to either, you got to do servanthood and childlikeness. Grow and serve. What are the both have in common? That they're, they're required to humble ourselves. Can we humble ourselves enough to hold, hold his hand? Are we capable of letting him grow us? and to, to serve the people that are around us. See, um, serving is not selective. It's, uh, as I mentioned, Daniel was serving Nebuchadnezzar, who was not an, a godly man. It was an ugly, ugly king that kept on doing things towards himself and kept on believing in other gods, but Daniel served him and he became one of the top advisors of the kingdom. Joseph was serving Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was not a believer. He was not uh, agreeing with the same beliefs that uh, Joseph had. So same with Jesus. Jesus was serving the wrong people, right? The sinners, the people that in that time would be considered the wrong people. Pharisees would be the right people to be serving in the, in the terms of religion. My point is, some months ago, Alex mentioned how when I met him, I wanted to, I, I, I don't know if you guys remember, he said that um, when he met me, I said that I wanted to serve him, particularly him. He was the young adult pastor, and I met him, and, I was, and, and just by in talking for a little while, I just felt in my heart to say, I want to serve you. And in my heart, it wasn't about, hey, I want to serve 
your ministry, your young adult ministry, I wanted to serve him. Serving is not about serving ministries or serving an institution. It's about serving a person. We do not graduate from these two things, from serving and from growing. Coming low and wanting to go under someone and wanting to serve them is what actually changes hearts, is what actually changes behavior because it's when we pour our hearts out that the Lord takes it up and changes the position, just like he changed with Joseph. Joseph was a prisoner and suddenly he got known as a servant. So people were receiving what he was given. Before, when he was, as you remember at the beginning, when he was giving his dreams, no one was receiving those dreams. No one was clapping and saying, oh, so good. Such a blessing, brother. They were like, what are you talking about? We're going to throw you in a hole and then sell you. Because he was not serving. He was not serving. He was not letting himself grow in his, in his gift. And that's the same for us. If we just hold ourselves to the gifts of the Spirit and we don't let ourselves to be grown and to use them to serve others, it's just going to resound like a clanging symbol. We're not going to be bringing love. People are not going to be changed and transformed. It's by going low, humbling ourselves and wanting to serve another person that it actually changes the atmosphere. My partnership with Alex was transformed because I wanted to serve him, his heart. It was just, that's the way that we were able to connect and that's the way I was able to speak to his heart. Uh, just as an example right now, um, I don't know if you guys met Brianna and Austin. They, they, they're very close friends of mine. They have become, in the last year, they've dedicated their lives to um, relearning how, what it meant to, to, for Jesus to die on the cross. And they've been taking these courses and reading these books and they've grown so much. It's scary. It's so scary of how much they've grown. They have so much authority. It's so exciting to see that. When someone goes on and says, you know what, I want to actually learn something new. I want to go into deeper into what the Father's saying and humble myself and, and say, I don't know at all. And I want to serve with that. It has so much power. I just want to honor whenever that happens. You know, um, when I was in, there was an, a moment in, 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 in Sierra Leone when I was uh, in the ministry. They took us to, uh, to do some street ministry, which I don't like. Um, I have friends that do like doing street ministry that go on and, and, and evangelize. Uh, Noah is one example of those. I don't. I, I, I really suffer with it because I'm not extrovert. I'm, I, I can't do small talk. I can't. It's very hard. It's, like, it's awkward, and I end up, it fails. But um, I wasn't, in the, they took me there. They, we were in the street. They didn't give us any guidance like any Christian ministry is. Just go. And uh, so I just, I just started talking to the kids and then started talking to the kids and they were very passionate about soccer. So I know soccer. So I started talking soccer to them. I, I was like, oh, what do you like? And they started competing to uh, who's the best, either Ronaldo or Messi. After I taught them the right reasons why Messi was the best and they <laughs> said that they agreed. Um, uh, I actually told them, hey, uh, take me to, who, who's sick in, in, in around you guys, in, in your family? So they were like, oh, my parents are sick. So they took me to these three children. They took me to their first, um, to, to their parents. And the mom was sick. So we prayed for her. She, got, she gets healed in the moment. And um, 
And then I said, let's go to the next house. So we kept on going. Suddenly I have like five kids with me and we go to the next house and they get healed, that person gets healed. And, and, and then I have the children being with me praying and, and we keep on going. And then I have eight children with me praying for people. And, and, and it was house after house, people were getting healed. I was like, this is amazing. I've never felt this, this much authority and this much presence. It was, the, it was honestly um, in a very, very poor circumstances. There uh, floors, but, and, and, and people were just happy to see the kids coming in excited and praying for them, and they were getting healed, and healed after time, after time, after time. Suddenly I saw, I saw that one of my main guys, uh, that I, where I started the whole conversation with, was limping. So I was like, hey, what's wrong with you? Why are you limping? So he, I told him, sit down, and let me see your legs. And one of his legs was like this, off. And I told the children, okay, you guys pray for him. I'm not gonna pray, you guys pray for him. So the eight children just start praying for him, and you just see the leg grow like this. My, my eyes were seeing it. My brain was, this is not happening. I was very confused. I was like, what? <laughs> I asked them to do it, but it actually happened, and really, really fast. I was very, very confused, and, and I mean, good. And, and, and he was very confused. He was looking at me like, what happened? And then he started walking normally. He wasn't used to it, but here's my point. I asked him, hey, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do when you grow up? I don't know why I thought, hey, I'm just going to ask you that. And he's like, I want to be a pastor now. Of course you want to be a pastor after you saw that. <laughs> Here's the thing, there was so much faith because these children were open to just like, I'm just, this is amazing, I'm just going to go for it. There was no sickness that was holding them back from, hey, God is going to heal it. They saw the first example of what happened and they just kept on going. And then at the end, I wasn't even the one praying, it was like not to show them that it wasn't on me, it was, it was the Lord on them. Just to end, um, in John 13, it says that in John 13, 2, it was the moment where Jesus, this is something that I just heard recently and I wanted to point it out. John 13, 2, it says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And in this moment, we, we know that um, Jesus that the Father had pulled all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. For in that moment, Jesus, we know the thought of, of Jesus. He knew where the Father had put all, all things under his power. He knew how great he was. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped it around the towel under, around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began washing his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He knew the greatness that he had. He knew the greatness that the Father had given him. And what did he do? Washed the disciples' feet. Just as, the, as one of them had already betrayed him, and a few of them were about to betray him. And he knew it. And he did that. He knew the greatness that he had, and he went lower. Because he came to serve all. In the kingdom, you go low, to go high. It's, 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 it breaks my head to, do, to think about it, but that's how greatness comes. Servanthood and childlikeness will take us to the great of the kingdom, will actually bring the kingdom. Are we serving the least? 
Are we letting ourselves to be grown? There's an opportunity for us to always be grown here. Like, are you opening your heart when you're hearing the words, when you're to, hey, I need to grow. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith. It doesn't matter how, how many years you've been here or uh, in a church, three years, but it's not that long. Or if you've been to ministry school or not. It's a matter of the heart. We can't graduate. We've got to keep on receiving and letting him grow in us. And at the same time, we've got to keep on serving. That's how Joseph got out of there and actually saved a nation. That's how Jesus talked about the rank. I want to, um, right now, invite the people that serving kids. Um, if you're serving kids, I want you to stand. I want to honor anyone that serves in kids. You serving kids, you stand. There they are. Come over here. Don't be shy. I feel like right now, you guys are standing, but it, let, let me just explain what I'm doing. I feel like the Lord is calling us to, um, serving in ministry is very, it's easy, honestly. Serving in ministry is exciting, it's easy. Everyone loves it, but serving in children ministry is another thing. <laughs> serving at your house as a mother and a father is another thing. That's where we're called to do right now. I feel like as a church, we're called to also serve well in our houses. Like myself, it's like, I love being here. I love being in the front. That's exciting. Everyone wants to be in the mic. That's the easy thing. But serving in the nursery, serving at home, that's where the challenge is. That's where the Lord is asking us, where no one's watching, where no one's actually seeing and clapping and saying amen, where they're asking you to cut the onion and no one cares if you will actually have a revelation or not. You have to put the stuff in the pot as fast as possible because the child is crying. No one's clapping. That's when it actually matters. So I want to extend our hand. Let's extend our hands, and I want to bless these girls and thank them, and men and women that, that serve in, in, in kids' ministry. In Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing, for serving our children, for serving the people that Jesus called the greatest in the kingdom, for serving the generation that is actually changing the world. In Jesus' name, the authority that you carry is the authority that you bring into the room it actually matters it shapes hearts it shapes nations in Jesus name thank you father for what you're doing thank you for the invitation and the honor that we have to serve and to grow our children in Jesus name thank you father amen all right, guys, I want everyone to stand. Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Um, you can put your, heart, your, your, mat, your hand in your heart. Father, I just pray right now that this church will not stop growing. 
Not in numbers, but in growing in character, growing in, in spirit, in Jesus' name. That we will keep on learning, that we will keep our wonder where it should be. Always in front of us, not in the past, not in what we've done, but in what we will do because of you. On the revelation that you will keep on giving us about the future, you will keep us always, always growing in your presence, always growing in you and knowing of you. Let us not be graduated from growing and help us serve in Jesus' name. That always what you've given us, we use it to serve the least. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier